today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. No man's going to be able to stand before you. With that type of covering in our lives, with that type of empowering and presence in our lives, it doesn't matter what goes before you. It doesn't matter what comes in behind you. Being filled and led by the Spirit of God, knowing and experiencing the very presence of God, a man or a woman can then move forward in might and in power against everything that comes our way. When Joshua became the new leader of Israel, God revealed to him that the people would rebel against the Lord. They would absorb terrible behaviors from the foreigners who lived in that land. There would be great battles to be fought. What an intimidating new job. We will learn with Pastor David that it doesn't matter how challenging a task or a calling may be. When you have the covering of the Holy Spirit over you, just like Joshua, you will be able to move forward in power and nothing will stand against you. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Joshua Intro, Part 2. people came in and says, oh, gee, that's interesting. I ain't never seen that before. And they start getting into it themselves. And you think, no, that's, that's what God is bringing you in to destroy. Think back the history of Christianity, at least in Western culture. Germany, for years, was a powerhouse of Christianity. Great theologians rose up from the churches of Germany. The might and the power of the truth of God's word that was proclaimed through missionaries out of Germany, through preachers and theologians from Germany. And yet the nation turned from God. And that's what arose out of that was a Hitler. You think of Great Britain. Again, the powerhouse of evangelism that Great Britain was, sending missionaries all over the world. Again, impacting the world for the hope and the sake of the gospel. And yet now today, they say that there's almost more mosques in Great Britain than there are active churches. Why? Because they've turned their back on God. We don't have to go too far back into the history of Great Britain and realize that they've just simply stepped away from the things of God. They've entered into the things of the world and the perversions of the world. Let me ask you this. Why does God even have patience with us as a nation? I have absolutely no idea why we have the freedoms that we do. We definitely do not deserve it. When we look at not only the lameness of the church itself, the apathy and the impotence 
of the church today. Why do we still have? I think we are on such borrowed time. And we look at our government and we say, wow, they, they've done away with that. Wow, they're okaying that. Oh, they're calling evil good and good evil. Beloved, we are in the midst of a rolling snowball downhill and it is growing and growing exponentially to a point in time that I don't believe that we will recognize this nation should God not come, should the rapture of the church not take place. If God doesn't hasten here, we look 20 or 30 years from now, I don't think we'd recognize this nation. Most of our parents or grandparents would not recognize what's going on on this nation. The things that are so available and so blatant and so casual and so ordinary for us here today. That again, was there sin back in the you know, 40s and 50s? Absolutely. You know, was there perversions back there? Absolutely. But it just wasn't as pervasive as it is in our nation now. And here it's, any of you ever spend, sort of say, spend time on a high school campus? In recent years, spent time on a high school campus. You cannot, you cannot imagine the language and the connections and the things that are spoken about on a secular campus right now. To borrow a phrase, it would make a sailor blush. Stuff that is just normal that's going on in the corridors of the secular schools right now. It is absolutely gross and horrendous. I remember, and this was before we moved to Casa Grande, so that's been over 25 years ago. The company I was working for, we did a, uh, and this is down in Sierra Vista, we were doing a job on the high school campus down there. And so we were on campus, so whenever classes were to break, our rule was, okay, we had to stop working because they didn't want, you know, tools or anything in the way of students as they come. So you just stop. And the conversations 25 years ago, made me blush. And I'm thinking, I'm not naive, and yet it just amazed me. Today in the campus, today, lesbianism and homosexuality is rampant within our high school campuses and wide open. The language, the things that are going, we are going so, so far, so, so fast. I look at this and I say, yeah, this is a song we need to learn. Because I believe the very same things are waiting at our door. Should the Lord tarry? Should the Lord tarry? Shortly after this song, Moses then turns around and he gives this awesome blessing to the tribes. We find that in chapter 33, but we're not going to go through that tonight. You can definitely look at it. But then after this awesome blessing to the 12 tribes, then we get to chapter 34 And there in chapter 34, uh, we read that the Lord takes Moses to the top of Mount Nebo, to the top of uh, Pishah, which is across from Jericho. So he's still on the western side of the Jordan in chapter 34, and he shows him a supernatural panoramic view of the Holy Land or the land of promise. Look there in chapter 34 says, then Moses went up, verse 1, went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pishah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, 
all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The western sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The south, the plain of the valley of Jericho, which was actually not too far from him. The city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Now, we know that he wasn't going to cross over there because of, again, a sin that he committed earlier. We're not going to go into that. Verse 5 says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now, I say that he gave him this supernatural panoramic of the land because on Mount Nebo, you cannot see all that land in the natural. I know I've been there when we go on our tours of Israel. If we go over to the Jordan side, we actually go up to Mount Nebo and we can look around. You get a great panorama on a good, clear day. You can see, well, you can't see forever, but you can see for a long way out there. But you can't see the Mediterranean Sea, nor can you see the land of Dan. It's just too far. The curvature of the earth keeps you from being able to do that. That's why I believe God, just as he says, I caused you to see it with your eyes. He gave a supernatural view for Moses to be able to see all of those things. So down in verse 9, still in chapter 34, we read, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all of his servants, and in all of his land, and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all of Israel. There's not been a prophet like Moses at all. How do you follow a guy like Moses? Okay, wow, you know, what God had worked and moved and done through Moses? Oh, and now it's your turn. Oh, and by the way, let me tell you what's going to happen while you do this. It's now Joshua's turn. After all that God had done through Moses, after all the miracles, Moses was a guy that communed with God face to face. A man who knew more than any other person in the Bible that name, the servant of God. That's what he was known by more than anyone else. Moses, the servant of God. I would imagine following after Moses would be like the guy who took up the pulpit after Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, at the age of 20, he became the pastor of New Park Street Church, which later became the Metropolitan Tabernacle. He remained at that church for 38 years as their pastor, to the point that he was preaching to 10,000 people in one shot without a microphone, okay? And scores and scores of people coming to the Lord, the city being changed, the country being influenced. Charles Spurgeon, a man who not only wrote multitudes of commentaries, but founded Bible colleges and influenced his country in such a powerful way. He passes on. Now it's your job. How do you follow that? How do you follow like a W.A. Criswell from First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas? He was the pastor there for 58 years. 
58 years. That's amazing. Now, he had tried to retire once, and it didn't quite work out, and he came back again. He passed through that church from 1944 to the year 2002 when he passed away. The church, again, the attendance was multiples of thousands every week. Or even following a guy like Pastor Chuck Smith from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. He pastored Calvary Chapel from 1968 until he passed away in 2013. Again, from that one small little church when he started, God's move of the Holy Spirit there that spawned literally thousands of churches, not only in our nation, but all the way around the world, Bible colleges throughout our nation, as well as around the world, missions, organizations all around the world, every continent of the United States and nearly every country of the United States has some influence from Calvary Chapel. Powerful, powerful thing. As a matter of fact, I get to go and teach at Calvary Chapel Bible College down in Peru. Uh, A friend of mine is the director down there, and he's asked me for a few years to come down, and uh, now I'll be able to teach the uh, pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, a whole block of classes down there. So I'm excited about that. But how do you follow men and ministries like that? How do you, as a Joshua, follow a Moses? Well, you do it the same way that Joshua did. The word said here that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Moses had laid his hands on him, prayed, and the Holy Spirit enabled him, empowered him to do the work of ministry that God had called him. We're going to read in the opening passages there in chapter 1 of Joshua that the Lord told Joshua in verse 5, he says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You know what? If you've got that promise, I don't care who went before you. You've got the power of God in your life to step forward. I don't care who went before you or who stands before you. If you have the promise of God in your life and you are walking in your life in obedience and faithfulness in your life, no man can stand before you. No situation can destroy you. No darkness can fully overwhelm you because the presence of Almighty God is there for you. And you and I as believers, man, we need to be singing that song. We need to understand and know that, man, in the worst of situations, in the darkest of situations, in the bigness of any giants that might be in the land, and remember, there's still going to be giants in this land that they're going to be dealing with. No man's going to be able to stand before you. With that type of covering in our lives, with that type of empowering and presence in our lives. It doesn't matter what goes before you. It doesn't matter what comes in behind you. Being filled and led by the Spirit of God, knowing and experiencing the very presence of God, a man or a woman can then move forward in might and in power against everything that comes our way. Guys, that's not just the words of a preacher That's not just the words of a song. That's the reality and the promise of God's word. And we either believe that and we live that or throw the whole thing away and go out and do something else. We need to be people 
who believe what the word declares and then live what we say we believe. To say that I believe it and not to live it, I make myself a liar. And you know the worst thing about that? I make God a liar. Because I declare to the world, my God will get me through this. My God will strengthen me in this. My God is my help. And then when I don't live what I believe, well, your God didn't do much for you at all, did he? You see the difference in that? You see the importance of you and I not only believing the truth, but then living the truth in our life. Does that mean everything's going to be easy? Heavens, no. As a matter of fact, when we look at what happened with the children of Israel as they went into that promised land, remember that, man, they went to Jericho. Man, how great is our God, how powerful, man. He brought the walls down. We didn't need to do anything, man. We just marched around. We had a, we had a march, and that was it, and God brought the walls down. This is great. We're going to take over this land. We don't even need to pray about this next thing. Let's, come on, you guys, let's go get AI. We don't need all you guys. Let's just grab a few and go on up there, and all of a sudden they realize, you know what? If I'm not going in the power of God, if I'm not going under his direction, then I'm going to get my tail kicked. And the world around... You don't think that they look and see? Absolutely they do. When the world around in Canaan saw the children of Israel, this ragtag band, come across the Jordan River, they began to shake and tremble. Remember, and we'll look into it probably rushing ahead, but you need to hear this tonight. <laughs> Remember when they came to Rahab the harlot, and Rahab the harlot says, man, everybody's scared of you guys. We've all heard of you guys. We are fearful of you guys. Well, if that was the rumor, and then just a few days later, they come in, they march around the city, and the walls fall down, and they utterly destroy the city. You don't think that that rumor went viral? I mean, everybody was posting that on their Facebook. I mean, it was all over, everywhere. But at the same time, when they went against little AI, well, they're not as tough as I thought. Their God isn't all that big. We made them run. We spanked them, man. They, we, they're, they're nothing. The world is watching you and I. In what we declare and in how we live. In the victories that we experience and how we deal with defeats. Because I guarantee you, we're all going to have some defeats. How do we deal with them? How do we deal with them? You do know that the same God who is with Joshua as he led this ragtag band of stiff-necked, disobedient children of Israel, as he led them into that promised land, he is the same God today. And if he can take a people who he knew were going to be rebellious who he knew were going to turn against him, who he knew were going to chase after everything but him. And he was still going to give them that promised land. He was still going to fight the enemy for them. I think that gives you and I a little hope. It does me. I think, wow, you know, as bad as they were, maybe I do have some hope. Maybe there is some hope that God can use me and God will, again, defeat the enemy before you. The same God who told Joshua that he would go before him 
and fight the battles for him and stand against the enemy for him. This same God is with you and I as we walk the path that he has before us. So I've shared with you multiple, multiple times. Your journey is not my journey. Your journey is not his journey. Your journey is not her journey. We are all on different journeys, and we are all at different levels and places within that journey. But I love what Pastor Chuck used to say. He says, where God guides, God provides. And in essence, what he declared is that God will provide for you in every situation that he leads you in. Okay? He will provide for you in every situation that he leads you in. That doesn't mean that he's going to provide for me in the situation that I lead me in. Okay? But in the situations he leads us in, there's nothing that surprises our God. There is nothing that overwhelms our God. Even though there may be battles that are going to be before us, and beloved, there are battles. As we continue walking in the Lord and walking in the hope of his promise, walking even in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's still going to be battles before us. And as we walk in the obedience to the Lord, God is going to be our ever-present help in our times of trouble. He's going to be the one who is going to stand guard over us and to be our strong defense. And whenever we are obedient, when we are faithful, when we don't lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, I acknowledge and I trust him. He's going to direct our paths and he promises he will be with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. It's the word, it's the promise to Joshua, but it's also the promise to you and I. As the writer of Hebrews declares to us in chapter 13, he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper I will not fear what can man do to me. So let me ask you as we close, what can man do to you? He can take away all your finances. He can take away your health. He can torment you. He can pester you. He can even take away your life. He can bring great pain to you. All you have to do is look again at what's going on in the Middle East right now with ISIS. I mean, if anything that man can do to us is available, we see that with ISIS, because they are doing the worst of the worst to as many as they can. But beloved, how long does the worst that man can do last? But a breath, but a breath. I know in our present time it seems like eternity, but it's not. It's not. And whatever we might be going through, whatever situation we might be in today, whatever might be coming up to us tomorrow, we need to understand the Lord says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that you and I can walk outside of fear. We can walk in the peace and the understanding that our God is ever-present in a time of trouble. And he will hear and he will answer when we seek his face. Amen. Oh,
One of the mightiest warriors in the entire Bible was Joshua. God used Joshua to conquer many of the pagan nations surrounding God's people. From spying out the land God had promised his people, to Joshua's encounter with the angel of the Lord, this book will surely be an encouragement. Join us as David teaches through Joshua verse by verse. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word. Make a small